Should you refer to your spouse as your soulmate? Are there any more apostles appointed today? And how many books should your Bible have? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, celebrating five years of podcasting, bringing the Bible to you daily through the reading, teaching, and preaching of God's Word. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. And I have to uh, begin this episode with an apology. ruh I'm sorry that I did not get the psalm study, the last oh, psalm study. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was recording the Bible. You right. know how it is. Well, yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it went late into the night yeah. until I really had no stamina. I had no voice left. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, the Psalm study didn't get posted until, well, today. Uh, At the same yeah. time, this episode gets posted. Well, I hope you are happy listening to an hour and a half. That's right. You get two episodes today. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Becky actually uh, is not going to be on this whole episode. No, it's Uh, really late. It's it's really late when we started this. My computer decided it wanted to update and everything was freezing up until I let it do the update. Yeah, there was no way around it. (laughs) And then it decided to take forever. Yep. And then it took forever on the update. So... Becky is just going to be with us through this opening segment and our first question, which has to do with marriage. Uh huh. And then I'm going to let her go. She's going to go to bed. I am. And I'll do the Hopefully second I half. I won't yawn all the way through this. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then I'll do the I'll do the second half solo. But we needed to update our listeners on an announcement that we yes. had. We have a special announcement. No, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I just hear Sonia. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) She would be that way. We have news, everybody. (gasps) You're pregnant. No. Every time. (laughs) That is how she would react. (laughs) Now, if you listen to the sermon that I did on Sunday, then you already know what this announcement is. And I mentioned it right in the first minute of the devotional on Monday as we were finishing up Romans chapter 8. I said we were going to talk about it on Friday. Uh-huh. So you you at least had to be here for the right the early portion of this episode so we can talk about the news. We can talk about it. Yes. We're moving. We're moving. We're going to we're going to go from being troublemakers in Kansas to troublemakers in Texas. What's this we stuff? <laughs> 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 okay, I'm I'm the troublemaker. I'll own that. I never could uh, earn James White's moniker as the troublemaker in Kansas. I was. I, I think I'm okay with that. He's quoted me a few times on the podcast. I, I thought uh, for surely he would eventually start referring to me on the dividing line as the troublemaker in Kansas. But for surely, yeah, for mm-hmm. surely. Did I, is that what I said? Yep. For surely. Yeah. For surely. <laughs> I don't know who Shirley is. I don't know either. But for her sake, I would be the the troublemaker in Kansas. For Shirley. For Shirley. And uh, (laughs) so I decided I needed to go join the troublemaker in Texas, Uh Dr. Tom Buck, who is pastor of First Baptist Church in Lindale, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to join the pastoral staff there. Mm -hmm. I think my my official title is pastor of discipleship, 
in Lindale, Texas. I think so. Yeah. And uh, like I mean, uh, otherwise, I'm an associate pastor. That's right. Know, simple enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is a it's really a bittersweet thing. It is. I mean, we are so looking forward to getting down to Lindale and starting there at First Baptist Church. But we are so heartbroken to go. Yeah. To leave our church in Junction City, mm-hmm. where I've pastored for the last 10 years. It's the only church that Becky and I have known well together since we've been married. Yeah. We met in another church. Yep. And attended that one for two years, just about. I think so, Pretty yeah. Pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's where we met. That's where we got married. Mm-hmm. We were married well, in that church. I met you in the well, other yes, church. That's true. <laughs> I didn't notice you in that other church, but yeah. <laughs> she met me in another church. That's a whole nother story. I met her <laughs> in this previous church that we attended and now together. That it's clear as mud. So yeah, we technically just love our church. Technically, we have attended three churches together. Yes. One. I didn't know you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is the only church that we've been a part of since we've been married. Right. We were married in another church. We did our reception at First Southern Baptist Church of Junction City. Yes, we did. Where I was also ordained as a pastor two weeks later, mm-hmm. two weeks after we were married. Yeah. So I've been there for uh, 10 years. It's the only pastor position that I have held. Uh, we had said to our church, we're here for the long haul as, as long as the Lord would have us here. We, mm-hmm. We've been happy in Junction City. There's no bitterness in our church. There's no, no. disciplinary issue. It's nothing like that, even though no. I've seen a few rumors going around. Oh, well, why would Gabe just leave? There, it's mostly critics. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> There's got to be something wrong. Right. He wouldn't just leave Junction City and go down to Lindale. No, everything's no. everything's fine. We wouldn't just leave. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. It, uh, it'd be because of the Lord. Yeah. And, and we that's... we uh, we feel like that this is uh, the next step that we're supposed to take yeah. and uh, have really loved meeting the people at First Baptist Lindale. There's a lot more people that we need to meet. Mm-hmm. But our our times visiting down there have been wonderful. I've known Tom for two or three years now. Mm-hmm. We've been working together through G3. We've been uh, doing the G3 expository conferences together. We're looking forward to doing those even more. Yeah. And so it just kind of seemed right for us to have this opportunity to be able to work together and do ministry with one another. And I am honored that he would invite me to come and be a part of First Baptist Lindale and that the church has been in uh, has been approving of that move as well. And we invited our church to come with us. We did. Yes, we, we I mean, said, hey, the, everybody's the welcome to wide go. Open. That's right. Yeah. And listeners, you too <laughs> are invited to come with us. To Lindale. <laughs> now, one of the reasons that we needed to talk about this on the podcast is because the question is already being presented, what's going to happen to when we understand the text? Right. Nothing. Nope. It's going to be exactly the same. We we might take a, a vacation. <laughs> yeah. It, we, there uh, there yes. might be like a week, maybe. Off. A week or two, perhaps, while we move. Yes. Um, While we don't have the internet connection. (laughs) Well, I'm going to try to set the studio up in my office at the church. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah, So I'll be able to do something there. Becky may not be on as regularly. Yeah, that'd be a little difficult. Yeah, we'll see how we can work that. Yeah. Somebody at the church may just be like, no, get Becky over here. (laughs) You guys can have some time in the office. Get this recorded. We want to hear you on Friday. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. There's still going to be the videos. I've had a few offers that didn't come out 
well, offereds offereds <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> but uh a few offers for for help with whatever we need so okay yeah i have two I've got a growing list of phone numbers. Yes. Of people saying, hey, we can help you out with this. Whenever you get down here. Kind That's of right. Thing. Yeah. And and we're going to change phones when we get down there. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> we're going to switch to Texas numbers. Yep. <laughs> so hopefully all that stuff will transfer over as Whoa. we're collecting. We're collecting all these names and everybody's collecting our number and then we're going to drop it on them later. Hey, we got a different phone number now. Yep. This is my brain. And I'm <laughs> yeah. holding up my phone. Yep. <laughs> Becky keeps everything on her phone. Uh, yeah. So be prepared. Anyway. There might be some uh, growing pains or moving pains some yeah. later on in the fall when we get to that. And you can just catch up on the ones you missed or the ones you really loved. You can listen to again. That's right. If you've only joined us in the last year or two, well, hey, there's five years of podcasting yeah. that you can go back in and catch up on. I'm going to finish up the Bible recording before we leave. There'll still be some what videos. In fact, after we move, the what videos should become more regular again. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm doing one or two a month. It's really not well, many at that's all. that's because you're recording a lot. Yeah, it's, it's the so, Bible recording that has been... Which is okay. Yes. That is okay. I've been enjoying this. I've, I've wanted to talk about it, like some of the stuff I've learned even, uh -huh. reading the Bible out loud. Right. And this is, by the way, this is for literal words. So download the literal word Bible app mm -hmm. to your phones. We got to get you on a uh, doing a new liner because oh. the book of Acts is next. OK. And I've got to get that on Soon. on the Saturday thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of a side note. <laughs> yeah. Side note. A little random. Um, <laughs> we don't have like a GoFundMe set up or anything like that for our move. I haven't done anything like that. I don't know if we will. Um, we have a PayPal. <laughs> Pastor Gabe Hughes at gmail.com. If you want to help us out with some moving expenses, yeah. that would be fine. I'm sure there's going to be some things in there. Putting the house up for sale in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Got a bunch of furniture we're going to sell because we're going to try to get down there with as little as possible. You are. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with this. Yeah, we're, we're going to downsize, but it means uh, letting go of a few things. Yep. There's like a whole section over here we don't even touch. Mm -hmm. Even in this room. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's fine. I can get rid of that section. But like, yeah, it's tough. There's some other things I'm already pointing at going, well, that's going to go. And Becky's, no. Oh, heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> that like floods are right there. They're about to come out. I'm like, oh, keep it back. It's okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be once we no. get closer and closer to going, we know the goodbyes are going to be hard. Oh, it's it's already. Yeah. It's already, but it's okay. <laughs> just just be in prayer for us. We would appreciate the prayers. Thank you so much. And yes. for your support of this ministry. Definitely. Uh, some of you have been with us all five years. Yeah. You've been with us been since amazing. the beginning. I promise when we move, I'm not going to change the name of the podcast again. <laughs> it'll, You're so silly. It'll still be when we understand the text. <laughs> <laughs> but we're moving south of the Mason-Dixon line. I've always been a Southern boy at heart anyway. I was born so in South Carolina. So might change That's a right. bit. <laughs> might, I might get some Texan in there. <laughs> Start to drop in on the podcast a little bit. Then a couple of years from now, you can go back and listen to those first episodes. Oh, this was before Gabe uh, became a Texan. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that now. And be in prayer for our church as well. First Southern yes, Baptist thanks. Church of Junction City is going to begin the process of looking for a new pastor mm -hmm. to fill this pulpit that I've been standing in for the last eight years. 
I yeah. started as associate pastor and then then became the senior pastor in 2012. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Um, and uh, we'll continue to do what we do. The ministry will press on, Lord willing, and it will be as it has been, faithfully devoted to the word of Christ through the reading, teaching, and preaching, just as Becky opened up uh, opened up the program talking about that. Yeah. Well, let's get to our marriage question here, so I can let Becky go to bed. All right. If you would like to submit a question to the program, our email is whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. This is from Abigail in Wichita. So right here in the great state of Kansas. Awesome. Dear Pastor Gabe, I was reading this article from The Atlantic entitled The First Lesson of Marriage 101, There Are No Soulmates. I went and clicked uh, the link to that article. It was actually written back in 2014. So it's okay. a it's an older article, not something new from The Atlantic. Well, Soulmates is kind of, yeah, about that time period. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I haven't I just heard it figured, a lot lately. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah it could Soulmates be. Soulmates was like really big back then. Back then, six years ago? I remember hearing it when I was in high school. 2020 is like 10 years in <laughs> itself, okay? So. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> So Abigail goes on, some interesting points are made from a secular and not a Christian worldview. For example, quote, research shows that practically every dimension of life happiness is influenced by the quality of one's marriage, while divorce is the second most stressful life event one can ever experience, hmm. unquote, after the death of one's spouse, Abigail says this reinforces something I've heard you say, that divorce is the death of a marriage. Interesting that the death of a spouse and divorce are rated as the two most stressful life events that one can experience. Mm. Yeah, because divorce is the death of a marriage. Yeah. And then a marriage comes to an end, too, of course, with the with the death of a spouse. She goes on. The whole twist on soulmates is fascinating. The article presents that you cannot find the right person. Rather, you have to be the right person. Now, we would say, as Christians, we would say that you cannot be the right person. It is Christ who sanctifies you. You're making a face. What are you thinking of? That just sounds weird. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what the article says. I don't, yeah, think, yeah. I don't think Abigail is saying that. No, I know. I was trying to understand what they were saying. Okay. I know Abigail wasn't saying that. You know Abigail? No. Oh, okay. I know she wasn't saying She that. wasn't saying that. I know Got she it. was trying to say what the article was <laughs> all right i was following her is everybody confused <laughs> no i know what i'm saying yeah i don't know what i'm saying so that's... all right well let's continue so she says <laughs> she says but this got me thinking given that you and i believe in predestination do you think there's such a thing as a soulmate or someone that God has predestined us to be with mm. does the bible have anything to say on the concept of soulmates. Love your podcast, Abigail. Hmm. What are your thoughts on soulmates? Have you have you given this much thinking before? Predestined, sure. Right. Like, the Lord knows who you're going to be with. Yes. And... It was foreordained that we should be together. Yeah. <laughs> but what? let's say you're in a marriage, and you're looking at this other person, and you go... I don't think this is the person I was foreordained to be with. That's your <laughs> sinful self talking. That's right. That's just get over yourself. That's uh, just being a sinful jerk. Yeah. Who that's are, terrible. Who are you supposed to be with? The person that's listed on your marriage certificate. That's that's who you're supposed to be with. 
The spouse that God has for you is the spouse that you are with. That's <laughs> and yeah. and when you are getting married, like let's say we're talking to somebody who's not married yet, or you are looking to get married, maybe you're dating, maybe you are engaged, you be committed to that marriage even before you get into the marriage. Mm-hmm. Go into it with your eyes wide open and go through your marriage with your eyes half closed. You understand what I mean? Yeah. So you look for all the things that you need to know or be aware of about this other person before you get married. Look for all red flags that you can find. Right. Even orange flags, even yellow (laughs) flags, all the flags. All the things that you know that I'm just, I'm going to have to adjust to this. I'm going to have to get used to this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to be a servant to this. Now, that does not mean you move in with one another just so you can find them. Right. That means you're just getting to know one another. Right. Through the aid and assistance of a pastor yes, or some kind of a counselor, preferably a pastor or an elder at your church. Uh, And then when you get to the marriage, you are as gracious as you've ever been with another person in your life. Hence, hence the reference to going through the marriage with your eyes half closed. Mm -hmm. You're not looking for every little nitpicky thing that you're going to make a big deal out of, but you are exercising grace. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's going to be. Like like the most gracious endeavor or the the most grace laden endeavor. I don't know. However, you would say that <laughs> your greatest endeavor this, of grace. Yeah. How can I serve this person the most? That's right. Yeah. You're, you're thinking of it as how do I serve this person? Not how does this person make me better mm-hmm. or how does this person make me happy? Mm-hmm. I think on a daily basis, what can I do to help my wife? Mm. How can I make her day lighter so far when i'm getting up i see that uh, the kids are unruly so discipline apparently is the first order of the day <laughs> yes it might be something like that uh, extra hands lately yes some yes definitely uh <laughs> while we're preparing for the move mm-hmm. but there's probably not going to be a person in your life that will sanctify you more than the person that you are married to mm. and we yeah. even we even understand that according to ephesians chapter five so think of <laughs> In verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So the church is being sanctified as we submit to Christ. Mm -hmm. Therefore, there is even a sanctification or a growth in sanctification that is happening in the life of a woman who submits to her husband. Because she is to be a model of submission that the whole church is supposed to be unto Christ. Mm -hmm. So she, in that practice of submission, learns submission to Christ as well as submission to her own husband. There is a a growth of holiness that's happening there. Mm -hmm. Then you have the instruction to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church And gave himself up for her, Mm -hmm. verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now, this is talking about Christ with the church, but the husband also does this for his wife. Right. For the husband is the head of his household, and he leads his wife in prayer, Mm -hmm. in Bible study, in, uh, in holiness, modeling holiness, growing in holiness. Uh, uh, submission to Christ. Even the husband models this for his wife. Right. Not that the husband submits to the wife. 
you'll hear egalitarians say that, but that's not what the scripture says. Submission is to yield to authority. In the household, the husband is the authority. Right. So the wife submits to the husband. The husband submits to Christ. And his submission to Christ even becomes a model of submission to his wife. Mm. And he has the responsibility of growing his wife in an understanding of the word of God. This falls on the husband first. Not that the wife cannot teach the husband because my wife does that for me. (laughs) She's kind of got a slight grin there as I'm mentioning that. (laughs) Usually, though, I'll tell you this. it, It is less to do with. Something that Becky thinks that she knows that I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's well, not. I do. Yeah, you know. Right. I know. It's less to do with like, she's like, well, I've been reading and I think you're wrong. And so uh, I'm going to tell you this. You know, it's not it's not something like that. It's rather Becky showing me what I have taught mm-hmm. and making sure that I'm walking according to the very thing that I have said. Right. And I think we've given examples of this before, like in a in a sermon, Mm -hmm. I will say something in a sermon that week. I will behave in a way that's contrary to what I said in the sermon. Mm -hmm. And Becky will say, well, you said in your sermon on Sunday this. I'm just saying. (laughs) She does it. She does it in a very loving way. It's it's not at all mocking. Right. It's not uh, trying to make me feel like a hypocrite or anything like that. She's doing it in a loving way to build up and strengthen her husband. Mm-hmm. But when she says it, I'll go, no, 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 no. Yeah, this situation. You, you always try. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is not the same thing as what I said on Sunday. And Becky will just go, okay. Yeah. But then I'm thinking about it five minutes later and I'm going, yeah, she's right. <laughs> I'm not frustrated with her. It's, it's the, yeah. it's the conviction of the spirit that I'm feeling in my heart. Yeah. And so she knows that she knows that about me. She can mention that. And she knows I'm. it's going to be on my mind. Mm. I'm going to play it through, and I'm going to understand according to Scripture, according to my actions, according to the conviction of the Spirit, if there's something that I need to correct or repent of. Mm-hmm. And in this way, my wife sanctifies me. There is not a person in your life who is going to be more of a friend to you in this walk of sanctification than your spouse will be. And so I think in this... It's safe to refer to you as my soulmate. Okay. As we understand it as, as just a figure of speech and a saying. Now, if it goes into the, the direction of we're going to be soulmates forever for like all eternity, well, no, because even Jesus said to the Sadducees in the kingdom, there is not uh, in, in heaven, there will not be uh, marriage and giving in marriage. Mm, right. So this is an earthly relationship that we enjoy now as a picture of the way that Christ loves his church, mm-hmm. but it is not going to be something that endures even in heaven above. Right. Now that is a biblical marriage. That's okay. Right. So we're talking about a biblical marriage. <clears throat> right. So what if the spouse is not um, Christian? I would say that there's still some sanctification happening there because we're sanctified first and foremost by the word of God. Jesus praying in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. But let's say now, now that's if one spouse is a believer and one spouse is an unbeliever. But what if neither spouse is a believer? Mm -hmm. Uh, It becomes harmful to the soul when Christ is not the center of the marriage. Mm hmm. When Christ is the center of the marriage, then we're building one another up for eternity. 
right. that we may be presented before Christ in holiness. Now, the whole church is supposed to be doing this for each other. All of us within the church, we're helping to sanctify each other, growing in love and holiness and steadfastness and understanding of the word that we may be knit together in love, as Paul talks about earlier in Ephesians 4, mm-hmm. uh, growing into the head who is Christ. Right. The whole church does this together. Mm-hmm. You don't sanctify yourself, but it's all according to the word of God into this spiritual house unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. The whole church does this, but then we've also got that marriage component because there's not going to be anyone in the church that you're closer to than me. Right. So I think that in the in the Christian marriage, we're certainly building each other up. And uh, and growing the soul mm-hmm. in an unchristian marriage, yeah, there's something happening there too, but it may not be for the eternal benefit of the soul. I don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just kind of thinking. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's all going million miles per hour in my head. Um, so I had I had other questions earlier whenever you were reading the Bible about how um, like what submission means for the wife like what that would look like. It's it's not that she would be uh, stepped on and, and tossed around right. and, and abused by any means. That It just means that, I mean, we have conversations where we hash out things and, and discuss things. When we don't quite agree on it, we come to an understanding. And even if I just don't agree... I still am like, okay, well, I'm going to trust you on this because <laughs> you were thinking at a different level than I am. Like talking to a realtor when we were mm-hmm. having that discussion. <laughs> right. And so, um, so there are times when I'm just like, I've got to just submit to you because I think I know what's best, but I'm going to trust that um, your way will be all right. Right. And might even be better. I don't know. And even if it's not better, then we can try it my way and then see. And sometimes that's happened. Not, yeah, especially, not often, though. Especially when it comes to decorating or setting up the house. I don't have any. And yeah. I'll, I'll even think that I do. Like, no, well, let's not do that. <laughs> You're so cute when you do that. I'm like, <laughs> okay, babe, just trust me. Yeah, that's right. And then eventually, I'll do, uh, we'll have the discussion. I'll express my disagreement. And then at the end of it, it says, just do what you want. And yeah. then Becky will do it, and then it'll be like, oh, yeah, well, that does look way better than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't, visually, I just don't have that. I yeah. can't, I can't picture it. And then she does it, and it looks way better than whatever it was I would have come up with. So. Yeah. There, I mean, we just have our strength and weakness, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, those are, those are kind of minor things. But those are minor things. But I'm thinking about whenever you're leading the family and stuff that, you know, there's things that we we disagree that I might just, I'm like, okay, you know, you just take the lead and, and I trust you. Well, yeah, even and when it came to, even when it came to this move <laughs> and deciding to take this offer at First Baptist Lindale, it mm. still mattered to me a great deal Yeah, what my wife and my children thought of it. Yeah. And it's unanimous across the board. There wasn't anybody, even uh, of our four kids that were saying, I don't know. I don't I don't really want to do this. Yeah. Uh, It seemed to be exciting on all fronts. Seeing this new door that the Lord was opening for us. Mm -hmm. We had this opportunity presented in front of us. So that mattered to me, even though I would still be making the decision and the rest of the family is expected to go along with it. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to bring my family into something 
they're totally in disagreement with because they're going to be completely miserable. Right. Where, while I'm chasing the thing that I think that I'm supposed to do is going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, that, that's that's one of those things where that just kind of comes with a a wisdom of leadership, I think, mm-hmm. rather than, well, I need to trust my wife on this or even I'm going to go with what my kids think about this. Right. But you were because uh, one of the things that you were starting on there were while you were talking about submission was it's not that like a husband lords himself over his wife. Right. It's not a matter of I'm the I'm the head. So you have to follow me. Right. There still needs to be so, a service that happens there. Yeah. Especially following the example of Christ for Jesus said to his disciples that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. Now he came to give his, give his life as a ransom for many. A husband can't do that for his wife. Right. He can't give his life as a ransom for his wife. She needs to trust Christ for the forgiveness of her sins. But even here in Ephesians 5, the expectation is still that a husband gives his life for his wife. Mm. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, verse 31, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And I think that's why it's so hard whenever one of the of the couple doesn't fulfill the biblical role yeah it's just it's hurtful it affects the whole marriage yeah it it does and that's that's why divorce is so hard yeah if you're going through your marriage too with that 50 50 mindset oh that's awful that that's also going to destroy your marriage don't don't do that because not good advice yeah where's 50 percent I mean, like, do you just work half the day? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, okay, it's noon. I'm done. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's... I've done everything that I'm going to do for uh, you today. Now it's your turn to meet me halfway. You're going to destroy a marriage that way because it's completely arbitrary. It's subjective. You're never you're never going to be able to draw that line and meet one another in the middle. You have to give all of yourself. That's really what Ephesians 5 is saying here in the instructions to husbands and wives. Mm. A wife submits to her husband. A husband, in submission to Christ, gives up his life for his family. Mm -hmm. For his wife first, loving her. And then the instruction to fathers, as it comes down uh, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, is fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So a husband has a responsibility in submission to Christ to give up himself for his wife. Yeah. And a father has the responsibility in submission to Christ to bring up his children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the responsibility that falls on the head of the household, which the man is. Mm-hmm. And women, you have to give him the opportunity to do that, to, yes. to do that. <laughs> yes, that's that's tough because, you know, I mean, 
a lot of times that you don't see the man stepping up and doing it and you're yeah. just like fine i'll i'm just gonna do it myself because right. it needs done and might as well i'm here you know you the, see what needs done you go do it yeah the things that are happening in our culture right now all of the craziness that you see on the news no matter what the news story is it comes from uh cowardliness in the home on the part of a man cowardliness in the pulpit on a part of a man mm. There are not men who are being strong men of God and standing up with the word of God in the pulpit and in the home. If that was taking place, our culture and our society would not be in the position that it's in right now. So step up. <laughs> men in submission to Christ. Love your wives. All right. So that's going to bring us to the conclusion of the first half of this program. You made it half an hour, babe. Yay. <laughs> I'm going to let her go to bed. And then we are we're going to tackle the next half of these questions here. And I think uh, as a good lead into this next one, this is in response to the video that I did on what does the Bible say about the Pope? So I'm going to play this video and then we'll read the question on the other side. All right. Thank you, babe. You're welcome. Bye, everybody. Pope comes from the Latin word papa, also a child's word for father. The title is given to the Bishop of Rome, leader of the Roman Catholic Church. The office of the Pope is called the Papacy, also known as the Apostolic See, based on the understanding that the Pope is the successor of the Apostle Peter, considered to be the first Pope. Following Peter is this unbroken chain of apostleship, as Peter passed his authority on to his successor and on down the line. According to Roman Catholic doctrine, today's Pope is regarded as perfect and without error. His revelations, judgments, and decrees as a authoritative as the Bible itself. But while Peter was hugely influential in the building of the church and spread of the gospel, he was not given authority that superseded the other apostles. At one point, he was rebuked by the apostle Paul, and he called Paul's writings as authoritative as the rest of scripture. Peter was also married, which is forbidden for the Pope, and he would not have called himself perfect. The apostle John wrote that if anyone thinks they have no sin, they're deceived, and the truth is not in them. Now, we are to submit to apostolic teaching even today, but it's the authority of the apostles who wrote the New Testament upon whom Christ built his church. Paul stated that he was the last apostle. No others would be appointed after him. If anyone teaches a doctrine different than what those apostles taught, they're a false teacher. So the Pope is not the father of the church. The only head of the church is the Lord Christ. Roman Catholicism says that if a person does not receive the authority of the Pope, they're anathema and cursed to hell. But the Bible says that curse is for anyone who teaches a different gospel when we understand the text. Now, the funny thing about that after playing that video is this question does not have to do with anything regarding Roman Catholicism or the Pope. <laughs> it's rather about a single statement that was made in that video where I said Paul was the last one to be appointed as an apostle. He said that he was the last apostle and a fellow by the name of Tim emailed me. And he said, I'm sorry, sir, but this verse does not teach that Paul was the last apostle and there would be none after him. The verse in question is 1 Corinthians 15, 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Tim goes on. You're stating that it does, that it means that Paul was the last apostle is an engagement in eisegesis. Are you aware of how many apostles are named in the scripture? Are you aware of what an apostle is and does? Are you aware of church history? 
early church history after the Apostle Paul, we have men being sent to nations as the apostle to that nation. An apostle is a church planter, a missionary. It is not a title, but a function. It is a gift given to the church. There are at minimum 23 apostles named in the New Testament. And here he gives a list of apostles. He says, first, Jesus is an apostle. Now, the reference that he gives to that is Hebrews 3.1, which says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now, it's true that Christ is mentioned there as an apostle, but it's not the office of the apostle. Now, I'm going to I'm going to make a reference to the office of an apostle coming up here in just a moment. In the meantime, we'll go through the list of Tim's references to apostles. Simon Peter, no argument there. Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus or Judas, the son of James, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot. And then the last one of the 12 is Matthias. That's Acts 126, where Matthias is listed as the apostle who took over for the position that was abandoned by Judas Iscariot when he, of course, betrayed Christ and then committed suicide. Then you have other apostles listed after the 12. Paul, Barnabas, James, the Lord's brother, Silas or Silvanus, Timothy, Epaphroditus, Apollos, and then two unnamed apostles. The reference given is 2 Corinthians 8.3. Now, when I responded to Tim, I said that 2 Corinthians 8.3 does not have anything to do with apostles. It has to do with the Macedonians who were giving to the benefit of the church out of their poverty. Tim corrected himself and said that he meant 2 Corinthians 8.23, which says, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. There is nothing there mentioned about them being an apostle, although the Greek word there for messengers is the same Greek word as apostle. It's just not used in a formal sense. So most translations are not going to list them as apostles. There's no official title of apostle given to those two unnamed men there in 2 Corinthians 8, 3. Or 823, sorry. Tim goes on and says, The word apostle means a delegate, an ambassador, a messenger, or one sent. Technically, anyone who is sent to plant a church is called an apostle. Therefore, technically, apostles still exist today. And I'm not even charismatic, nor do I belong to any type of charismatic church. What is the context of 1 Corinthians 15.8? Well, let's see. In verses 3 and 4, Paul gives us the first ever Christian creed. In verses 5 through 7, he lists those to whom the risen Christ had appeared. So what is Paul saying in verse 8? That he was the last person the risen Christ appeared to by means of revelation since Jesus had already ascended to heaven. There's nothing in this passage about being the last apostle when we understand the text. Haha, <laughs> cute little uh, addendum there, Tim. So when I responded to Tim, I said that neither Timothy... Apollos nor Epaphroditus are ever referred to as apostles. Paul very clearly addresses Timothy as a protege. He has he is never spoken of 
as a man of equal standing to the authority that had been given to Paul as an apostle. You can just read first and second Timothy and you can see Timothy is he's called a man of God because Paul equates him to the men of God of the Old Testament who were supposed to be carriers of the word of God, who were supposed to be ministers to the people of God speaking the word that had come from the Lord. But Timothy is not being given any special revelation. He is being he is being given the word as it was given to the apostles. So Timothy himself is not the apostle. He is a carrier of that apostolic ministry, but not of the office of apostle himself. Now, James, the half brother of Jesus and also Barnabas do seem to be mentioned as apostles. So I understand that interpretation. I haven't necessarily discounted it as wrong. Whether they're uh, whether they're named formally as holding the office of apostle is where there is some debate. Judas was an apostle, but his office was vacated. And here's where we come to understand that the position of an apostle is an office. There is an office that we refer to when we come to apostle, when we talk about an apostle, not just being one sent, but one who actually holds a position that has authoritatively been given by Christ. In Acts 1.20, it says, this is Peter speaking of Judas and how he was a fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures and that someone needed to replace Judas also as a fulfillment of prophecy. Acts 1.20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another Take his office. So Peter goes on. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. There were two men with them who were qualified for this office who had been with Christ from his baptism until his being taken up into heaven. And it was Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Once again, we have apostleship mentioned there as an authoritative position that has been given by Christ to specific men to be a carrier of the word of Jesus. And their ministry was going to be affirmed in the fact that they had witnessed the risen Christ and had been appointed by Christ himself and affirmed their appointing through signs and wonders. And I'll give references to that here in just a moment. Verse 26, they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. When Paul talks about whom Christ appeared to in the, uh, in the statement that he gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says that he appeared to the 12. Let me read the passage in context. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So Paul is giving an order of succession 
of whom Christ appeared to after his resurrection. Verse six, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Where where Paul mentions Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the 12, so all of the 12 together. The 12 have a specific designation that even Paul himself did not have, which is why he refers to himself as one untimely born. We continue on, verse 7. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So that seems to be a reference to James being an apostle, Verse eight, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul was not originally one of the twelve. He was a persecutor of the church, hence why he referred to himself as one untimely born. None of the other apostles had ever persecuted the church, but Paul did before Christ appeared to him on the road of on the road to Damascus. And uh, and then, of course, you had Paul's conversion. We tend to say it was from Saul to Paul, but he was still Saul even after he became Paul. (laughs) It's just the difference between his Hebrew name and his Greek name is really all that is. As he was going to be an apostle to the Gentiles, he would use his Greek name so that the usage of his name would not immediately turn away Gentiles who knew that uh, this man was a Jew. But again, verse eight, he says, last of all. As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is clearly indicating, even though it's not the main point of that Paul is making, but it clearly indicates that no other apostles were going to be appointed after him. The last person whom the risen Christ would appear to until he appears to all with his second coming was the apostle Paul. Last of all. As to one untimely born again, that's a list of succession and he gets to himself last. So as far as the office of apostle goes, there's not going to be another appointed apostle, which is why we must be very, very careful with the use of that word. I'm not opposed to the way that Tim wants to use that word as one who is sent as one who is a church planter. But you can just say that of a person who's a church planter. You can just use that term. This person has come as a missionary. They've come to plant a church. They've come to share the gospel. They've come as as an evangelist. There's plenty of other terms that qualify that person that make sense. We understand what that means. But you use the word apostle, and suddenly a person's probably going to expect you to have to qualify that title. Well, prove it to me that you're an apostle equal to somebody like Peter or Paul. How do you make the distinguishing, or, or how do you distinguish between a modern apostle? And those apostles who were the carriers of the word of Christ, who laid the foundation of the church, the church built upon a foundation of the apostles with Christ himself as the cornerstone, as it says in Ephesians, in first Peter chapter two, uh, the designation of apostle is clearly something that is uh, an appointment not granted to anyone in the present day. Paul even mocked those who referred to themselves as apostles in his day, but who had not been appointed by Christ. They were ministers of Satan. They were not true apostles. But Paul, in speaking to the Corinthians about this, said, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. So if a person is going to proclaim themselves to be an apostle, Of that office, like Peter and Paul 
and the rest of them held, John, etc., then they are going to have to show a sign to prove that they have been given that position by Christ. Because again, an apostle was a carrier of the word of Christ. His word was just as authoritative as Christ's word itself. Paul talks about this with the Corinthians. You have it in 2 Thessalonians 3.14. If anyone will not obey what it is that we say, you are not to have anything to do with that person. Peter even equates Paul's word with the Old Testament scriptures, which we know was a word that was given from God to his prophets. So what Paul said was even from Christ to the church. Peter refers to it as being like the other scriptures. And so whenever a person doesn't understand what Paul says, this is 2 Peter 3, 14 through 16, they are ignorant and unstable, twisting the word to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So this is this is supposed to be our understanding of the word of an apostle. It is the word of Christ as given to his apostles and the uh, the confirmation that this word was God's word and not some other man's word is that they were performing miraculous signs that verified this word was from the Lord. So as I concluded my email to Tim, I said to him, if you or anyone else claim you function as an apostle, I'll believe that person when they function by raising the dead. Yes, there are occasions in the New Testament where you will see the word apostle being used in an informal sense as one who is sent. But we, I believe, must understand that word as apostle. and We must use it in a reverent way as one who has been appointed by Christ. For it is the apostles that have given us the New Testament. This is the apostolic ministry. And it all was affirmed as being from God through signs and wonders. So don't use the term apostle haphazardly. I I know that there are occasions in the church, in the history of the church, where apostle was used in an informal way as one who was sent. Sure, because that's what the word means. But we must be very careful in that usage of the word, especially in our modern time when you have the charismatic church, this this charismaticism that has blown up since 1900. In uh, In the 19th century, it was... The seekers, they referred to themselves as seekers. But then when you had the charismatic movement that started out right at the turn from the 19th to the 20th century, you have that word apostle starting to be designated as a modern apostle, someone who is equal in authority and power to the New Testament apostles. In fact, even some of our quote unquote modern apostles, the super apostles, as Paul mockingly referred to them as in Second Corinthians 11, even our Current super apostles will say they're superior to the New Testament apostles. Mike Bickle, who's the pastor of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, he has said that the New Testament apostles will be lining up in heaven to shake the hands of today's apostles who will be so much greater than they were. And I would say to you that that is heretical because that is a person who is claiming to speak a word from Christ that they have not been given And Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 24 not to listen to anyone who says, look, here is the Christ, because the next appearance of Christ is going to be as visible as lightning. And it will be seen by the whole world when Christ returns in his second coming. Let's go to the next question here. This comes from Courtney. She says, hey, brother, I hope you and your family are well, and I pray that your body will do well in this time. I came across a fellow on Twitter that is a Noahide, which I had never heard of. Carm has a tiny page on it. 
and it's a Jewish sect of sorts. I've heard some pretty alarming things, such as a Pharisee level of disdain for Jesus, to be expected, and a lot of weird scripture twisting. Finally, we got to a point where he said to me, Yes, your work here in this life on this earth to right the wrong is how you pay. What do you say to that quote? How do you share the gospel with a Jew who disregards Jesus or even any of what I just said? They don't even have orthodox understandings of the sacrificial system. Sincerely, your brother in Christ, Courtney. Uh, well, the uh, good response to that would be to really just share the gospel. I mean, understand that Jesus even said to the Jews who would not listen to him that you cannot bear to hear my word because you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. That's in John chapter eight. And there are plenty of Jews today who deny that Jesus is the Messiah. Ben Shapiro is one of the most popular, one of the most famous ones. So he himself would consider himself to be an Orthodox Jew, but he doesn't believe that Jesus is the Christ. And you listen to him talk about even the miracles in the Bible. He'll say that, you know, there's rational explanations for them. They're not actually God granted miraculous signs that are being performed which is very sad. You pray for such a person. You hope that they would be convicted by the Holy Spirit when the gospel is presented to them. And that would be the case with this fellow that you had encountered online. I don't know about Noahide being a sect of Jewish belief. I know that there are Noahide rules or laws that are given in the Talmud. It's like seven Noahic uh, um, instructions and the Talmud kind of uh, elaborates on some of the things that were written in the Old Testament but are not explained in detail in the Old Testament itself. For a while, the uh, the Jews just continued this teaching through oral tradition, and then they were written down beginning in about the second century A.D., uh, including these seven instructions that were following the flood that God had given to Noah that mankind was supposed to follow before the giving of the law, which, of course, would later come in Exodus. Anyway, that's kind of where that Noahic thing came from. But the statement that he makes your work here in this life on this earth to right the wrong is how you pay. I don't just I really just don't think that even makes any sense. We cannot pay for any of the wrongs that we have done. It is Christ who justifies, just as we've been reading this week in Romans chapter 8. Who is to condemn? It is Christ who justifies. And so he is the one who has forgiven us of our sins. And by his death on the cross, he has paid the penalty for our sins. So when somebody makes a statement to you like that, you can say to them, so how much do you have to pay before you write the wrong that has been done? You will continue to pay and never undo any wrong. It is only Christ who is making all things new and renews the person who believes in him, raising a dead person to life in Jesus, cleansing us of all unrighteousness, sanctifying us and growing us in holiness as we continue to live for him day by day. I hope that helps you out, Courtney. This uh, next question actually has to do with Jewish law as well. This is from Josh. How many books are in the Old Testament and New Testament Bibles, I think he means the Bible with the Old Testament and the New Testament. When was the book of Sirach introduced? Well, Sirach is part of what we refer to as the Apocrypha, and it may be made up of 12 to 15 books, kind of depending. Uh, the Orthodox has one list. The Coptics have a list. The um, 
The Catholics have a certain list of books that fit in their Apocrypha. These books were written in the intertestamental period between what we consider to be the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's about 400 years in between the completion of the New Testament and or, or sorry, the completion of the Old Testament and the beginning of the events that start in the book of Matthew. And it's in that 400 years that many of these apocryphal books or the deuterocanonical books were written. Deuterocanonical means second listed, but they were not divinely authorized books, meaning that God did not divinely inspire the writers to write them. And when you read them, you can tell the difference. There's there's certain scholarship that we can go back and forth on. But if you read the New Testament and you read the Apocrypha, you're going, yeah, these they're totally different. They sound like they're in a completely different voice than the Old and New Testament that we have. So as for the number of books in the Bible, you've got in the Old Testament 39 and in the New Testament 27, the total is 66. As far as divinely inspired books of the Bible go, that's the limit. And we shouldn't add to that number anymore, nor should we take away from that number. Canon is closed. It will never be added to, as we have in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And the word that Christ gave to the apostles became the New Testament, which was affirmed through signs and wonders. They are not being performed anymore. Again, the last apostle appointed was Paul. So we should not expect anybody else to be showing up with a new word that is in addition to or even contradicts what we have in Scripture. The 66 books that we have in the Bible is how many books your Bible should have. Thank you for your questions. You can submit further questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Continue to keep in your prayers those being affected by the fires on the West Coast, those who are still cleaning up after the devastating hurricane down around the Gulf, and those who are being affected by these riots as well. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Sorry. Are you? Are you ready to record? Are you nice and tired? I am. <laughs> so uh, Jeremiah here said, technically, Tiffany and I just appeared on Fox News with John MacArthur. What? <laughs> really? Here's the screenshot. And there they are right there. Oh, fun. I see them. <laughs> hey, guys.
They can't see me, but I'm waving at them. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's anybody else in there I recognize. There's Phil. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah well, Philip Webb, not, oh, okay, not yeah, Phil yeah. Johnson. Hey, there's John MacArthur. Well, yeah, down here. <laughs> He's not in the screenshot. That's great. Welcome to Fox News, guys. I haven't been on Fox News before. Do you know I've been on CNN before? Oh? Yeah. You didn't know that? Maybe. It was, they quoted me um, when the whole four blood moons thing oh, was going on. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was my. Uh, it's been a minute. <laughs> my response to John Hagee, the what video. Yeah. They quoted that on CNN. That's funny. Yep. Good fun. Good times. <laughs> 